There's something I want to tell you about. Actually, two things. Had a really bad illness lately, and it made me realize that I don't have a whole lot of time left. So, the first thing I want to tell you about the time I met Jesus. And I also want to tell you about the time I met God. This is not a near-death experience. Keep that in mind. Both times, they weren't a near-death experience. The first one, maybe you could call it a near-birth experience. So I remember my first thoughts, my first memories are being in a very warm and bright place. The light there was in front of me and radiating towards me, like as if I was at the foot of a mountain that wasn't so very high, and at the pinnacle of that, there was light shining and streaming towards me. Golden light, warm light. I had the feeling of joy, safety, comfort. These are, this is what I remember. And I also remember being excited because I knew that Jesus was coming towards me. I didn't see him coming towards me yet, but I knew that he was on his way. I was very excited. Um, to, to describe this kind of excitement, I'd, you'd have to look at an old clip of when Elvis was young, him coming on, on the stand and how the audience would be right before he got there or the Beatles. And you would look out in the audience full of girls. That's what I felt like. I felt like that audience. And then he was there in front of me and I've never met him before that I remember, but he was in front of me and I knew exactly who he was. I knew that before me stood the most important individual that had ever come to being the single most important person. I knew that everything that was created, including me came from him and it wouldn't be there if it wasn't for him. I was in shock and awe that a person of this magnitude would ever have a reason or a need or an inclination to want to talk or be around me. And, you know, I told you how those girls in the 50s and the 60s were excited about uh, the Beatles or the Elvis. You magnify that times 100. And that's how I was. I was bursting out of my skin. Extremely excited. And then he came right beside me and he put his arm around me just like this. And Jesus, I remember his smile. He had a big, broad smile. And he came right beside me and put his arm around me. And I remember the feeling that came off of him. It was complete love and patience. Like you can feel it palpable. I mean, you know you can feel hate. If somebody hates you, beyond their actions, you can feel that. And I, and I didn't feel anything negative. I felt sheer radiating patience off of him. He had his arm around me. And he asked me. He goes, 
I want to know if you'd do something for me. And right away I said, yes, whatever it is, I'll do it. He's like, hold on. And then I I got scared a little bit. I thought, wait a second. What if I don't do it right? And he said, I want you to tell people about me. He goes, you don't have to worry about not doing it right. If you choose to do it, you're going to do it correctly. And if you choose not to do it, he goes, you can still stay here with me. You don't have to go. You don't have to say yes. I felt so relieved because I did not want to leave his side. I didn't want a chance doing what he told me wrong and never being with him again, never being there. He said, don't worry about that. All I want you to do is tell people about me. That's all he said. And I said, yes, I'll do it. I'll do it. And it was amazing that he said that I could not mess up. And I didn't know what he meant by tell people about me. I knew it on the simplest form, which is the simplest way I think he meant it. He didn't tell me to go out and be like Billy Graham or anybody else. He just said, tell people about me. And then I couldn't mess up. He goes, but I need you to know this. It will not be easy. I said, I'm in. I'll still do it. And um, I remember seeing a flash in my head about the way I die. And I said, I'll do it. The next thing I remember, right after that, his arms are still around me. I'm feeling the patience, the love, the kindness, the understanding. I knew it was time to go. And I want to say I remember a falling feeling, going in a tunnel type feeling, like a dark tunnel. The next thing I remember is I remember being inside of my mother's womb. I know that seems like a difficult thing to understand, but I absolutely do remember it. I remember the feeling of feeling. I remember my hands. I remember my legs. I remember the warmth inside of my mother. I remember stretching out my legs. I remember the extreme tiredness of being an unborn baby. The kind of sleep, the quality of sleep. I remember being really tired and comfortable and just drifting off to sleep a lot. I remember doing that a lot. And I remember something pressing against me and I remember kicking against it. You know, it's the first time I felt some kind of communication with the outside world. Okay. 
And I still remember the time I'd spent with Jesus. And I don't know how long I was there, but I knew, you know, that was heaven. But I didn't know how long I was there. And I, I present to you today, there is no time in heaven. I remember Jesus from before I was born. And I know there have to be others that remember the same thing, but don't talk about it. He told me to talk about it, so I am. Now, I remember being born. I remember the room I was born in. I remember coming out of my mother. And I remember an intense curiosity. See, for some reason, the man that sits before you today, I had the same intelligence when I was a baby that I had now, except I didn't have the language because the language is different there in heaven. There's no words. You communicate with sheer thought with no language behind it because I didn't even know English or any other language back then. Yet I'm still thinking in words, just like a baby, you know, a baby has thoughts and knows who people are and they know things before they learn to speak English and probably the closest thing that you could get to the language in heaven would be the baby babble. You know, you just don't recognize what they're saying. But I remember coming out of my mother and looking for my mother and father. I remember seeing my mother and thinking, this must be my mother. And I remember seeing my dad and think, well, this is my dad. This is the family I've been born into. I remember that. And then, you know, there's other things I remember, you know, when I was a, before I could talk and I remember learning how to walk and why I remember the thoughts that I had before I was able to talk, you know, I remember these things and I remember my dad in my mind at the time of birth, he was a representation of God in my life. He was the, the authority this is how I saw him. And this, this isn't something he told me. This isn't a way I was raised. Uh, you know, before I could talk, before the time of, um, what do you call it? The time when you're, you're considered an adult with, able to make decisions and I knew, I knew who he was. I knew what was going on. And I never forgot. Some of you might think, well, was this a dream? I'm going to tell you it was not a dream because I'm telling you, you stand in front of Jesus and you know you're in front of Jesus. And for those of you that haven't, you will. And you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You will. Later, when I was older, much older, and I was studying the Bible, and I was able to, I looked up the things that he said to me, and everything he said, and as intimate as our conversation was, he was like, I'm telling you, to have somebody, and you, so amazing, so important, to care about you that much, and just come down there, stand beside you, and wrap their arm around you, we should all be like that. We should all be like that. He told me to tell people, and that's what I'm doing. So, 
Everything he said to me, I looked up in the Bible, and it was all there. I was having a conversation with him, intimate conversation, and he was saying scriptures from the Bible. Tell people about me. That is a great commission, right? That's what he told his disciples. Of course, he told them to do other things. He just told me that one thing. Years later, I'm going to tell you about when I met God and, uh, the story about when I met Jesus, that's before I was born, before I was even born. Now I'm cue people to look at the screen right now. And I want you to see that phone number. If you have memories from before you were born, I want to hear from you. If you have memories from being in your mother's womb or from before you could talk, if you have memories of talking to God or Jesus, before you were born, I want to know about it. I know I'm not the only one. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I am not saying I'm special. I'm not. I promise you I'm not. I'm only doing this because he told me to. And because I love him so much. I, I still remember the love. And I'm telling you, there is nothing on this earth that compares to where I was with him. And if I remembered it, as amazing as it was, I think I'd go insane. And I think when you're a baby, you still remember all that stuff, and yet the heaven starts fading out of your mind. Maybe not all babies. I don't know. So being in front of him is more real than any experience you can have on earth. And I can describe what it's like, but not fully. I can't fully help you comprehend. It's almost like... Christmas, um, something that you want, uh, when, when your brain is more immature, like when you're a kid, it's more like that, you know, there's a toy that you want really bad and you get it, but can you imagine there's something that you want really bad now that you're older, you know, it's a little different. Can you imagine something that you want really bad and you get it and you're completely fulfilled An everlasting fulfillment. You know, like you're one of those women that were screaming and passing out and crying for Elvis or the Beatles, except you get that and it never stops. That's how amazing it feels. I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. And if you experience that, you'll know me being beside Jesus and being there is more real than anything that's ever happened to me in this life. And nothing compares and there's nothing better. There's a lot of people. And if you look at my channel, you know, you'll see that I have paranormal stories, but I'm not interested in the occult and I'm not interested in the workings and trappings of Satan. What I'm interested in is the people, the stories of the people that are interested in that and what happens to them. For some reason, I'm fascinated by that. Not about what they're fascinated in, but the story of what happens to them. And uh, sometimes God intervenes in their lives in a good way. Sometimes they're destroyed. But I'm telling you this right now, it is real. A lot of those things that you heard in that Bible that you thought were a fairy tale because of the way they were presented, I'm telling you right now, they are real and you will believe. It could be too late when you finally believe, but when you're standing in front of God Almighty, you will believe. And I'm interested in the concept of 
some people believe because they were raised in a family that believes a certain religion. So they believe it. They believe it with their whole heart. And I don't know, maybe sometimes they have doubts, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say they really believe. Faith is a beautiful thing. Like I said, I'm not trying to build myself up or make myself seem special because I know I'm not. Look, he he uh, wrote the check. All he did was hand it to me to deliver. That's it. There's nothing I did. I can't even do it wrong because of him, not me. Uh, I believe because I experienced it and I still remember. That's it. That's not from me. I guarantee you. My memory's faded on other stuff, but not that. But you have someone that believe, legitimately believes in God's never really had a experience, but they believe that's an amazing thing. Me, I believe because I've experienced it. Now, there was a time, this is when I was 30. I'm going to tell you about when I met God. This was a different experience than the first. I was alive. I was already born. I was uh, in my late 20s or early 30s. So I was 29 or 30. And I'd been studying the Bible a lot, a lot. I even had a religious radio show that I did. And that next morning, my pastor, who's no longer on this earth, but has already moved to the other side of eternity, Dave, he was going to be with me that next morning. But that night, I remember reading something in the Bible and it says, whatsoever you ask for in my name, you shall, you shall receive. And I thought, you know what? I'd really like to meet God. I'd like to talk to him. There was a particular burning question on my mind, which I just didn't know the answer to. I wanted to ask him. So I thought about this. I'm like, God, I want to meet you in person. I want to talk to you. So I lay down in bed that night. As soon as I laid down, my head hit the pillow. I was, it was like my soul was sucked out of my body. And I was somewhere in space. And the earth was beneath my feet. Way beneath my feet. It's somewhere between, it was like, I don't know, somewhere between the moon and the earth. I don't know. But maybe on the other side, but that high up. And it was almost... Like there was something, uh, I don't want to speak some new way, but something interdimensional like the stars were, you look up in the sky and see the stars and, you know, they're rolled back like a curtain. And I was in God's, I was before God in his throne room. And this is what it was like. Um... I was standing, standing there or floating there, whatever, but it was like paved with black marble. And he was like as big as the sun, except it had a big black marbly shield in front of it. Does that make sense? Of course, that's not what it was, but I'm talking about 
insurmountable size. It's hard to describe, you know, these big black slabs for tiles in front of me. You know, each one the size of a city block leading up to this warm golden glow hidden behind a, some kind of black shield. I knew who he was. I was very, this wasn't like when I was with Jesus. This was different. I was afraid. I could almost not stand up if I was standing. Every muscle in my body, it's like my bones became jelly. I was afraid. And, the, and I remember the, I said the first thing, I said, what did I do? You know, you go to sleep and the next thing you know, you're there in front of God. You think you died or you did something horrible. You don't know what's going on, but I'm telling you, you, you can feel his righteousness and that you don't belong in front of him. But he told me this. He goes, you're not in trouble. And then I wasn't afraid anymore. I could take a deep breath. And I said, well, Heavenly Father, why, why am I here? And I felt humor come from him. I did. And he said, do you have a question for me? Whatever. And I got the, he said that, but I felt there was more implied. You know, I, I felt it was like a three-dimensional sentence which contained a lot of information, you know, like I could ask, I'm here, I am in front of God and I can ask him anything in the whole world. And I'm going to get an answer from God himself. They're like, there's nothing he doesn't know. And I remembered the question I had that I wanted to ask him before I lay down. I said, yes, I have a question. I said, Why is a man supposed to be in charge and not a woman? He said, women have babies. A man cannot have a baby, but women have babies. I gave that to them. He said, men, I gave leadership to. told me that and um I thought about it but there was something about it I didn't quite understand I asked I asked could you explain it again and in him he was so patient too I mean it's not like he didn't know what I was going to say I don't know, complete patience. So if there's those of you that think God couldn't forgive you, I'm telling you, he has an infinite amount of patience and humor. These are his qualities. He said with no frustration in, in him whatsoever. He said, I made, it was my decision. I made a man to be the one that leads he goes, I am a God of order, not a God of chaos. And then I completely understood. I completely understood. 
the things that make, and that was, that was it. That was over. And that's all I remember. I talk about it being real. And it more real than me sitting here in front of you. A part of meeting them was the way they make you feel the feelings you have coming off of them. God was humor and, and, um, understanding, you know, and, and Jesus was love and patience. So they were slightly different yet, you know, maybe different sides of the same coin. But if I could describe Jesus with one word, it would be patient. I guess, and if I could describe God with one word, it'd be love, but the humor, you know, through me, you know, I felt humor. So you feel those emotions, you're in front of them and you know what they are. People can say, oh, well, that's not true. I'm telling you it is. And it doesn't matter because you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. There will come a time for you. Now, I know for a fact that God made us and he made us in his image. And he gave us the power in our voice, with our words. He gave us the power of life and death. Garden of Eden, he breathed life into Adam. I'm going to tell you right now, you can do the same thing. You can choose every day. Am I going to let my words give life or am I going to let my words give death? God paid a heavy price. He gave everything. God himself, who made everything, he gave the most important thing, his everything, so that we could be forgiven. And Jesus, he gave his everything too. There was a time when he took on our sins and he was crucified and sacrificed, that he was separated from God. So we didn't have to be. He told me to go tell people about him. And I couldn't do it wrong. And I didn't have to. I could stay there with him. I never had to be separated. And I never was. Even though I'm here, I'm not separated. There's a time he was. And everything he had was taken away. And you don't realize everything he had. Because if you're there in heaven, you won. You won. You have everything. That Christmas present I was telling you about, that gift that you you finally got and it was old for you after a week. It's not what it's like there. You have it and you're always just blown away by how amazing existing is. And he put that aside because of us. Those that believe are the riches of heaven. He wanted us. He wanted he said in the Bible that the reason why he came here was so that we would know the joy that he had. Now you have that power to give life to others. You encourage others. You talk to people. You help them with the knowledge you have. There's nothing better than this. Or you can complain. You can run people down. That is not what life is about. And I'm telling you, one of the most important things that I believe is this. There is no sin 
because of the price of what God did by giving his son, there is no sin that that can't cover because he paid the price. It is a big insult for you to think that there is. And not just you and other people, you don't have a right to not forgive them. If they come to you for forgiveness, you give it or you will not be forgiven. There's some people that have come at me for forgiving somebody and I'm blown away. And the forgiveness came fast. I just wanted to tell the person they were forgiven. You can give life or you can give death. There's a, there's a documentary I've coming up. And in the documentary, I asked the wonderful lady I'm interviewing, if you died, I didn't ask if you died. If you got to talk to God and ask him a question, what would it be? And she said, well, that's a good question. I never really thought about it. Let me think. I think I would ask him, you know, why do children get hurt? You know, you know, like child murderers, why do bad things happen? Something like that. I guess that'd be a good question. I think the answer comes in the Bible, though. There's a lot of people in a lot of different religions that can't wait till Jesus comes back. Matter of fact, the evangelical Christians, they have a belief and uh, they support it by scripture that says that Christ won't come back until the gospel is preached to every corner of the earth. Until everyone that is going to be saved is saved. You know, they're looking at it like an M&M. M&M is in a jar. And by the time it gets to that last M&M, well, Jesus is coming back. Listen to me here. The devil wants the same thing. The devil wants Jesus to come back now. And he does what he thinks. And, and there's certain high-level echelons of Satanists that do things to bring about the end of the world, otherwise known as Jesus coming back. They want the same thing as some of those evangelical Christians. Let me tell you this. There's different times in the Bible where God has judged things. You got the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve got kicked out. You got the Tower of Babel. You got the point when Jesus was, he went to the synagogue and he made a whip and started whipping the people that were the money changing. They were changing money for blessings. And there were a place called the Porch of the Gentiles where everybody who wasn't Jewish were supposed to go and get the word of God. But the Jews at the time cut that off and turned it into something else. He was mad and he ran him out. There is a time when Jesus comes back. And that's when any knowledge about him or teaching about him is made illegal by man. He doesn't put up with that. As soon as that happens, you get a judgment of God. Other than that, you don't. So what does Satan do then? Well... You think of the most horrific things you could think. And uh, if you are a fan or you watch any um, true crime on YouTube, 
then you know there is a lot of gruesome and horrible things. Or if you take all the people that were that died in 9-11 or mosques being bombed, people being murdered, the Bible says that Satan presents himself in front of God and he accuses and if you, if you like to blame people and accuse people, you might want to think about that right now. Blaming and accusing somebody day in and day. <laughs> that's something Satan does. You might want to take up a new hobby. That's, that's bringing death with your words. But that's what he does. He goes in front of God and he says this. Look at those people. Look at those humans. The ones that you love so much. The ones that you gave everything to. Look at how horrible they are. Look at how wretched they are. You know, you should come back and end this right now. Jesus, you should come back and stop this right now. They're horrible. They're only going to get worse. They're only going to do worse. These are things God had nothing to do with. And the devil helped orchestrate and tempt and made them do. They had their own free will, but they did it. And he helped. And yet he still accuses these people are horrible. Can you believe what they did? Look at that. That is disgusting. Come on, Jesus, come back now. You can stop it. This is what he does. He accuses all of you, everything you've done, he's accusing day or night, telling God and Jesus how horrible you are. Things that, you know, he's like a lawyer. You know, he'll sit on your shoulder and influence. These are things, he, people he, he's influenced to do very bad things. And you know what? As my research continues almost every time, it comes from the way the people are brought up from their parents, you know. And I'm not saying every time, but I'm saying in the 90s, high 90s, they weren't shown love. They weren't, weren't shown patience. I'm telling you, they, it comes from horrible parents a lot of the times where this evil comes from. It comes from a lack of forgiveness and a lack of love. Are you going to come back now, Jesus? God says, get behind me, Satan. I, my grace is sufficient. You know, if he just bowed down to the accusations and went ahead and came back and ended it. There's some people who wouldn't have got the message from Jesus that who wouldn't have learned about him. And that's a horrible thing. I'm going to tell you, it's not God that allows horrible things. Do horrible things happen? Yes, but his grace is sufficient and there's people they have to, people have to have free choice, even if they do evil things. But there is a time when he will come back. I'm not saying I am special because of my experiences. Not at all. Not at all. I just literally did what I was supposed to do. I'm not saying I have some special favor with God either. I am not. I do not. And I thought it was weird that I had these memories before I was born. But I looked it up in the scripture, and, and there's a scripture that says, God says, I knew you before I knit you in your mother's womb. I knew you. And this is a, uh, a Jewish word for complete knowing. Like every, 
everything about you. I believe that. And I believe you knew me because I was there before I was here. And I believe there's no time in heaven. Now, what religion am I? I can't pinpoint a religion. I'm a believer for sure. Could you call me a knower? Well, to me, I know. It almost seems like those who simply have faith and believe but never experienced it are, you know, higher up on the food chain than me, I'll tell you that. that's all I have to say about this I really want to know if you've had any experiences like this whether it be knowing God or Jesus before you were born and you had these memories but you never shared them whether it be if you've had a near-death experience and you've met God or you've met Jesus I want to hear about that and I'll tell you why because being around them their character imprints on you you know like the forgiveness the patience the love i want to know what you felt emanating from them i want to know about that and if you if you're struggling with satanism or demons but you don't want to tell anybody i want to hear from you too i know some people and i can get you help So I'm going to put the phone number up right now, the email address. Contact me. Let me know you have three minutes on that voicemail. If that three minutes is not long enough for you, uh, call back and you'll get three minutes, minutes each time. You know, use as much time as you need. I would like to share your voicemail. You leave me. But if you say, please don't share this, this is just for you. I will not. Okay. If it's just something for me, that's okay. All right. God bless you.